going on? Nothing. Just monks having a good time. I thought that they were supposed to be spiritual leaders. Never trust spiritual leader who cannot dance. Welcome to the next four Karate Kid Minutes, a podcast where we discuss the next Karate Kid four praying minutes at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us today from TMNT Minute is Rachel. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, it's been a minute since I've done the, the movies by minute stuff, so this is this is fun. <laughs> I mean, I believe it was uh, listener Jeff uh, who uh, said that he was listening to your show and noted that you were you had been talking about next karate kid on your show yeah so. <laughs> well i brought it up because there's a scene in tmnt3 where if you don't remember they get sent to the past and then uh-huh. the samurai find april's walkman i'm like oh it's like that scene in next karate kid and it like <laughs> if i remember correctly adam my co-host remembered it because he, he remembered it, of course. Everyone else was kind of like, oh, what? <laughs> Come on. There was a fourth Karate Kid? Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this on the Disney Channel, I think. Uh, so, like, it, I have a very clear memory of this one. But anyway, moving on. Very TV quality movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ABC Family and Disney, apparently, uh, played the heck out of this. And that's yeah. where a lot of... Uh... A certain age group uh, grew mm-hmm. up with this movie. Uh, I, I missed that. I'm I'm old. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so so, what did a- April's uh, Walkman have to do with the next Karate Kid? I guess I'm not because it was like with the music, and I don't really remember. I think it just it... were there cranberries. <laughs> no, it was some other song. But I'm like, oh, it's you know, this is how my brain works. Right, I, I remember right. things in like clips. Well, it's funny because uh, Robert Mark Kamen, the uh, the guy who wrote the first three Karate Kids, had as an original idea for the third Karate Kid not to rehash uh, uh, part one and add a supervillain, mm-hmm. but to send Daniel and Miyagi back in time. <laughs> oh, because it works so well for the turtles. Like <laughs> I know. And they were going to go meet, like, you know, the Miyagi ancestors and probably face some sort of, like, you know... Somebody from the some ancient or, samurai, or, like Miyagi's ancestor. Yeah, yeah. I think John Kreese was supposed to play a pirate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pirate time, version time, of Kreese. Time travel doesn't work. <laughs> Bad dog Kreese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, for turtles, it's like okay, you're now already dealing with mutant turtles that do kung fu, whatever. You know, <sighs> that that works fine. But to send just basically a family movie people all of a sudden there's a time travel twist it seems pretty ridiculous but yeah <laughs> yeah uh so your history with the next karate kid is just watching on the disney channel right yeah i think so like i know i've seen the first karate kid like a hundred times mm-hmm. two and three are less clear in my memory right um for obvious reasons <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this one like i i just remember watching it in the summer like it was just on either abc family or the disney channel like all the time uh, so do you prefer julia to daniel i mean <laughs> yeah because feminism like yeah. um <laughs> uh but i mean the first karate kid is so good like you can't recreate that right um 
But yeah, if if you're gonna have a girl version of it, like sure. Yeah, why not? Sure. Like Venus de Milo is a terrible character in the Turtles universe, but she's a girl, and I was like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Eight a ten year old me thought that was cool. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad, and uh, I'm I'm glad you're here with us today. Uh, we are talking about minutes 60 through 64 of the next Karate Kid. Uh, did you ever try to think maybe for Turtles in Time you wanted to do that, like maybe like three minutes at a time because it's part. We actually three? did. We oh, actually did? did. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> no, because Turtles three is a slog. It's not a good movie. Although some yeah. people, it's their favorite one, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Um, but by the time we got to it, we were just exhausted because <laughs> as you know, doing a, a movie series that has multiple movies in it is, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think by the third one, I think we did three minutes at a time. It's been a while since yeah. we recorded it, but yeah, that was kind of the idea. Like no one wants to do this. <laughs> we feel like we're contractually obligated to do it. So let's right. just get through it as quickly as possible. Uh, so these minutes start with Julie on her own and end with Julie in montage mode. And we pick up where we left off on Friday with Julie walking alone into the monastery with her boom box. Uh, my first question, uh, for either of you, like, why did Mr. Miyagi allow young Julie's son to bring a boom box to a monastery? Right. <laughs> like right. she had no idea where she was going, but yeah, he didn't explain the rules of monasteries very well well no you think you think he would have given her a primer on like what was supposed like the correct behavior for a place like this Uh like like if you're going to your friend's house you're like okay what's what's the rules like no shoes in the house (laughs) like we're allowed to talk about politics like what what's the (laughs) deal here Uh, Julie is wearing a university of union bay shirt which is not a real university no yeah well union bay was like a a brand wasn't it yeah yeah based in seattle manufactured in china (laughs) of course of course Uh, i looked it up they're specialized in youth athletic wear so that works i feel like my older brother or sister had some union bay that like i eventually acquired there is some great 90s fashion. The The brands really stick out. I think on Friday, Eric's we're going we're gonna to be talking about Eric wearing a Bugle Boy shirt. I mean, nice. <laughs> nice. Which I think I was just, I had probably like five Bugle Boy shirts when I was a kid. You think, but, you think these were sponsored <laughs> costumes? Or I usually feel like uh, most movies <laughs> try to avoid uh, yeah, brand, maybe. Name on, brand names on uh, clothing. I'm Unless sure they were looking for some money, but... Yeah, I have to look at the credits, I guess, if, to see if their names or, are mentioned. Or maybe the budget for this movie was so low, they were just like, Hillary, wear your own clothes. Like, we don't care. <laughs> I believe, actually, when I first started talking about uh, the first few minutes of this movie, uh, talking about Hillary, uh, her mother did actually help with the wardrobe. So uh, maybe, maybe it is some of her own clothes. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me because it looks really authentic, like what a teen girl in the 90s would wear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, when you watch something like Buffy, like no one dressed like that. <laughs> no <laughs> one puts on like that kind of effort to go to school. Right. Well, I just saw a promotional still on Facebook from season early season four of Buffy. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wearing like what are the the caprice she was wearing a leather caprice oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like what as you do 
Yeah. I mean, the costumes on that show were fantastic, but they were just very unrealistic. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, Julie enters what looks like to be a, a large hall and kind of pauses when she's faced with a large Buddha at the end. It's sitting on a shrine. That is a very big Buddha. <laughs> uh, I did look up fun facts about Buddha. <laughs> Uh, and and these are actually uh, this is from seriousfacts.com so oh. maybe also serious uh is buddha <laughs> he's often seen as chubby because that was a symbol of happiness in the east if you're fat so basically it's like fat and happy is actually a thing there yeah <laughs> uh there are many buddhas i did not know this uh buddha is not seen as a god he's seen as a teacher um oh uh here's a here's a trivia question where did buddhism originate <laughs> was it was it in the middle east no in no? india india yes oh okay india uh and the second trivia question is what country? i just split the difference oh. <laughs> <laughs> you were like middle east i'm like i'm now known for china now uh india yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say what country has the largest amount of buddhists and I uh assume china china yeah because india is now dominated by muslims mm. so muslim it used to be pretty big there but and Hindi, I think, right? Hinduism. I think Muslim Hindi. is like the largest percentage, though. Yeah. In India? Uh, no. Uh, yes. Yes, in India. Yep. Mm-hmm. According to SeriousFacts.com. So, you know, I mean. That's well, you got to you gotta trust Serious Facts, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like one step above IMDb trivia. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the last one is the Buddha was the first to ordain women in the history of religion. So, mm-hmm. uh and, he, and his uh, his justification is that everyone has the same potential for enlightenment. It's not just men. So everyone good. can get as fat as me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Julie uh, sets her boombox down and hits play, and all of a sudden, filling the monastery is a cranberry song. Uh, what a dreams. jam! Yeah, such a jam. Uh, I love this song. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because I think this was the first single that the Cranberries put out. And I originally thought the Cranberries were like a female duo because uh, <laughs> Dolores O'Riordan. Uh, O'Riordan, I think. O'Riordan, sorry. Uh, uh, rest in power. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, she doubled over her voices. She did her own background voice. So it sounded like two girls singing, but really it's just like her angelic voice. Uh, yeah. In the background of her own voice, so yeah, uh, I think she. I think it's even like more layered than that because at the end of the song, there's that like crazy chanting, yeah, part. Uh, and that's uh, that I didn't get. I didn't write his name down, but that, that is uh, a guy, uh, and mm-hmm. I believe she was in a relationship with him when uh, they recorded that. So, uh, sorry, guy, I didn't give you proper credit. <laughs> Other guy. Uh, so, so this was their their like breakout hit, was it? Yep, very first. It wasn't zombie. Nope, no. No, zombie came much later. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Didn't hear about them until zombie. Well, I think they were pretty big by then. And what's like what is so funny about zombie is it always ends up on like spooky playlists, Halloween playlists. (laughs) It's about the IRA. (laughs) (laughs) It's about a war. But they say zombie, right? Yeah, that's that's Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's got symbolism in it. Like mm-hmm. the original yeah, name for the cranberries is they called themselves the cranberry sauce. Oh, that was the name of their band. <laughs> uh, this song was released in 1992. So here we are in 94 using it. 
Um, she said it's it's about feeling really in love for the first time. That, that's what the song is about. I feel uh, like this song ended up in another movie too. Oh, so many. I have a list. Like something with horses? I don't know. I have this uh, vague memory. Now, I will say Next Karate Kid is the first movie to use this song. Uh, there have been plenty more. Uh, Milk Money, Boys on the Side, Mission Impossible, You've Got Mail, uh, and the, the to-do list are like some of the major ones. I've hmm. And on TV, it's been used on 90210, both instances. Uh, Cold Case, Gossip Girl, The Comeback, Pen15, Dairy Girls, of course. Mm. Uh, Cruel Summer, which uh, that's a nice time. Uh, and uh, most recently in Yellow Jackets, which mm. has like 90s flashbacks. I just watched that and I don't remember hearing it. <laughs> yep. Well, you're going to have to watch it again, sounds like. Yeah, I guess so. It was a good show. <laughs> uh, they asked uh, Dolores what kind of music she was into as a teenager. And I thought this was a fun fact because of this movie. She says, I was really into religious music, like Gregorian chants. One of the most amazing experiences of my life was to go into a monastery and see monks coming out at 6 a.m. and start chanting. I used to go to monasteries to get away from the whole world and all the crap that comes from teenage pressures. So that kind of raw, honest setting in a monastery was a real relief, especially listening to the music monks made. So. <laughs> Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So maybe it's she ever go into a monastery and blast her own music. Like, <laughs> like she could just probably like do her vocalizations in a monastery and it would be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if Dolores <laughs> kind of was, was happy. Like when they first asked her like, Hey, we're going to use it in this scene in a monastery. And she'd just be like, sure, do it. You know, go right ahead. <laughs> or my, the singing in a monastery reminds me of, my grandfather he was pretty funny uh we went to italy and there was this monastery that was like built specifically for the acoustic sounds mm. there and like at every day at a specific hour you know a certain ordained guy comes in and everybody's silent and he, he just he uses his big voice and it echoes off the walls and it's really beautiful and stuff and my my, fa- my, my grandfather's sitting there in his wheelchair he's like you like that do you and he's like Ah! <laughs> everyone's just like <laughs> he was kind of losing it at that point but <laughs> no he was right out yeah it's still funny you remember i remember seeing a commercial like of the like the pure moods era of commercials where it'd yeah. be like buy this cd and it was gregorian chants mm-hmm. like you could just buy a cd of those guys like doing their chance i'm like why would you want to listen to that all the time they get royalties uh, maybe too maybe <laughs> it was very strange like yeah. pure moods i understand i love pure moods like yeah i still have that cd somewhere but like gregorian chants i don't know <laughs> i think it was like enigma that brought the mm-hmm. uh, gregorian monks to the uh, forefront of oh uh, probably it culture. was <laughs> yeah i would blame enigma for that yeah, absolutely enya or something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, what's everybody's favorite cranberry song? Um, we might have already. Um, what's that one with the lyrics? My father, my uh... oh, um, ode to my family. Yeah, that's it. That's my but favorite one too. I think I think mine it's is so linger. Sad. Oh that's yes, linger, right. linger lives in my brain. Like I kind of always have that stuck in my head for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For sure. Yeah, zombies good. Um, all of their singles were really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I think I probably paid attention to them for the first like two albums, but 
Yeah, sadly after. And then when and then when she died in 2018, I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to you. You know, you feel a little guilt, you know. <laughs> yeah, kind of like when the 90s ended. Yeah. A lot of female-fronted bands kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Like fair hit the skids. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Tori Amos says in her book, like there was this time where on modern radio, like you couldn't have more than two female artists in the rotation. Like, well, oh we already God. have one. So like, we'll just play this Alanis Morissette song again and again and again. And like, everyone else is like, hi. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm here too. Jeez. Yeah. I, I wish I couldn't remember the exact quote, but that was a kind of a thing mm-hmm. with modern rock radio. Like they wouldn't, they didn't know how to put a lot of female artists into the lineup. Uh, I mean, I just don't understand it, but whatever. I guess yeah. I wasn't in charge back then. I'm still yeah. not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I just do a dumb podcast. Uh, this this song uh, is also uh, edited. If you notice, I don't know if you're really familiar with Dreams. Like she hits play, mm-hmm. and it seems to like kind of play like a tiny bit of the intro, and then skip ahead to like maybe like the second verse or something. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> it drives me nuts when movies do that. I understand it. They've got to like. They don't have like, time for the whole song. Mm-hmm. I know, but it's like I don't know. It's like we. It, it, it takes me out of it a bit. It's Must like, have really bugged you when uh, Eddie was playing Master of Puppets in Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> they really chopped that song up. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of that, <laughs> there's an article which I wish I could find, but like Master of Puppets came out in '86, uh-huh. and. Based on the timing of when that episode is supposed to air, like Eddie would have had like two weeks to learn that song. Yeah, and most of that time he was locked up in a in a hiding. <laughs> right. He's that so good. Basically, he's a virtuoso. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's got his uh, he goes to school. He's a dungeon master. He's got his side hustle selling drugs. Like <laughs> and somehow he learns this really complicated guitar solo. Like yeah. good on you, Eddie. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the other last, uh, last thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, I have the next karate kid, uh, junior novelization Mm. and, uh, in it, we find out all sorts of background details, including that Julie is a huge Prince fan. I mean, Uh, who isn't? And, uh, and so here she decides to, uh, put Prince on and perform Ricotta in, in the novelization. Uh, maybe they originally planned on Prince having 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 Prince on the soundtrack. Maybe what was the song? That's the maddening part about it. They don't say what song she played. She uh. just she's like, I like Prince. Basically, <laughs> it's play. It's like uh, so. Uh, that is my last question that has to do with this musical thing. Is um, what Prince song would you play for this scene? Mm. Bad dance, obviously. Bad dance. <laughs> yeah. See, I went by, I went Batman as well, and I wrote down Party Man. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe maybe Raspberry Beret. Ah, Little Red Corvette is good too, but that song has it's got. I'm not even going to get into that one. Um, yeah, maybe Raspberry Beret. It's not Darling Nikki, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Party Man would be great. I just uh, I just see her like throwing those elbows to like all hell, new king in town. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pay for that. All or right. uh, it wouldn't be when doves cry. Maybe when it picks up yeah. later. Yeah. Like when the 99, maybe, maybe let's go crazy. Like she'd be jumping all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Julie starts to perform the Kata, 
And I, uh, I got some great IMDb trivia on that. Uh, it's based on the, oh God, based on the Naihanchi, the Naihanchi from Sherry based karate systems. Matt, does that? No, <laughs> I don't know that one. It says it translates to, uh, uh, oh, oh, I found two sources. It tra- that tra- Naihanchi translates to internal divided conflict and also translates to sideways fighting, depending <laughs> on what internet article you happen to bring what? up. <laughs> uh, Naihanchi uh, kata was a style that was designed to teach to school children. So uh, and, 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 and it seems to start with the crane. Uh, the first thing she does is like lift her hands up and then one of her legs comes up. In mm. uh, the knee. So, Matt, you have won multiple trophies for Kata. Uh, and, uh, or, you know, you were on the cover of Kata magazine. Uh, Was I? I <laughs> uh, <laughs> somebody photoshopped that. Okay. Uh, so, what, I mean, what do you think about this Kata? I mean, I mean, like, sorry, I, 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 I'm, I'm joking to the audience, but you do have some background in Kata if people are just joining us. I do. Uh, Okay. Um, oh, you were actually rewatching it. I'm I'm looking at it again. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is this anything think, you've done before? The side to side kind of thing. I've kind of done some of those moves, I uh-huh. guess. Um, I think she's better than Ralph Macchio. Uh, <laughs> she is. She really is. Well, I, that's <laughs> actually a topic I have later. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell she's. An amateur but i'm better than ralph macho is the the most or the best you can hope for in this series i guess okay <laughs> unless uh, you want to hire an actual martial artist to be, uh... that's ridiculous martial <laughs> artists can't act uh, <laughs> uh, uh rachel what do you think about this kata i don't know if you have any background in kata or if you were on kata zero okay okay i i did ballet as a kid like oh. that was my form of exercise um i mean she looks fine i guess <laughs> i have no favorite <laughs> preference um yeah she's it, good it looks sure. like line dancing to me <laughs> it kind of does especially when i mean the monks I, join <laughs> I love a good dance montage like i just finished yeah. um umbrella academy okay and there's in the first episode of season three there's this incredible dance montage <laughs> I just keep bringing it up on YouTube because it's oh, wow. so good. It's so good. There's a, an amazing dance mo- montage that I was not expecting in the movie After Yang, which is probably a movie only I've seen, but yeah. it, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Just like, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing about fight choreography. And my, my co-host Chris on TMNT Minute would agree to this. It's like, it's dancing. Yeah. Like good fight choreography is a dance. Yeah, yeah, you got to know where to put your feet and yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you guys think that Miyagi taught her this kata, or is this something that she learned from her dad? She's got this history where Miyagi gave it to her grandfather, grandfather gave it to the dad, the dad gave it to her, the karate. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Could be, and it seems like they didn't really delve into this too much. But it seems like Julie likes to keep this part of her life secret. Yeah. You know, that's why she gets embarrassed and turns off the music. But like, I think that would have been more interesting if Miyagi caught her more times doing this and like saying, no, you're good. Like, yeah, let's, let's let's do more of this. 
there's a couple of scenes earlier in the movie where she's blasting music. And one of them is to disguise, is to disguise so she could sneak out of the house. But the first time it like just wakes Miyagi up. And I wonder if mm -hmm. like, oh, that was just her doing kata. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the monks walk in and the older monk uh, walks toward the boombox, and Julie uh, uh, suddenly panics. But strangely, she turns her music, she goes over, hits stop, and then just tries to leave the room without the boombox. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Have my boombox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's in full panic mode. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the older monk, what they call the abbot monk, uh, turns the music back on and starts clapping along. Uh, a little offbeat. Maybe he's clapping along to Prince. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah, like we don't know what was actually playing. Right. Party scene, man. If, any, <laughs> if anything. Because uh, that, that's a thing, right? Like when there's supposed to be music playing, it usually isn't because right. it's really hard to sync it up. Yeah. Uh, unless you just, it, then that's, that's what makes them uh, take a song and chop it up and be like, oh, nobody will notice this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I heard um, on a behind the scenes on Bridgerton, like, the whole thing on Bridgerton is like it's modern music, but like played in this like classical Baroque style or whatever. Oh, interesting. But they said for one of the dance scenes, it was a string quartet um, playing um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so like in the scene, it's a different song, but like what they're dancing to is actually Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds like I need to go pick the soundtrack up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bridgerton <laughs> is... Mm, it, it's it's an acquired taste i think like the first season is not that good and then i don't know i don't know what i'm saying all right <laughs> but uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it if you don't know what it is, is basically <laughs> what i'm trying to say miyagi says never trust spiritual leader who cannot dance and i gotta say this is a miyagiism i was not ready for mm -hmm. <laughs> like, i just Ooh. like i i i don't know is that is that a true thing? Like, I'm not big on religion, but I think honestly, it, to to help settle like religious debates, we should have you know dance offs, -offs. every like year, maybe yeah. between like the Pope and the Dalai Lama. Maybe like mm -hmm. throw Joel Osteen in there, Billy Graham, those guys. Yeah, Just have them dance it off, and whoever's whoever dances the best it gets best religion award <laughs> or something. Out out <laughs> of all of them, though, probably the Dalai Lama is yeah. the most down to earth. I follow him on Twitter. Mm -hmm. and everything he says is just this like beautiful pearl of wisdom <laughs> so like are they he... all prince quotes <laughs> no but they should be <laughs> um we should you know... take all his tweets and uh, turn them into a, a song yeah yeah <laughs> prince pastiche yeah yeah uh so what do you think that can the monks dance and if they can do you do you does their dancing make you want to trust them? <laughs> they look like they're having fun. They're not really dancing. They're just like doing a different kind of kata, I think. Right. Yeah. But they seem to be enjoying themselves. <laughs> uh, Matt, when you were doing kata, were you encouraged to dance at all or no. to show off your, no? They're different things. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, so then Miyagi joins in on the fun. He starts, uh, he starts kind of twirling around in circles and then kind of gestures to Julie to, to join. I just love the, it's a, it's a far off shot, but you can see this goofy smile Julie has on her face when she decides to join Mr. Miyagi dancing. Oh, it's just a fun scene. Yeah. <laughs>
it's funny though like this is the scene i remember most yeah throughout anything i don't, I, I don't know why maybe it's because i loved that cranberry song when i was a kid but yeah it's just this is the scene that i remember <laughs> Part three had some pretty atrocious music, so I will say that it's great to hear the cranberries, at least in this yeah. this, show, this movie. Uh, all right, anything else on this scene before we move on? Uh, nope. All right. We cut to outside, and Julie is back up on the Japan Rock. Uh, she's fretting about uh, pulling off the island hopping kick that Miyagi's trying to tell her to do. But this time, Miyagi's like, Oh, I guess I'll give her some more specific instructions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't just like have her do it. Just like, yeah, let her figure it out. Don't give her any instructions. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, she's like, uh, he's, uh, she says, uh, pray. And then he says, praying mantis always dropped to one knee before strike. Is that why she catches the praying mantis earlier in the movie? Yeah. Like, I'm like, if she never caught it, would would he even say anything to her about it? Like, oh, you don't does know he about- know? Does he know that she done that she did that? <laughs> she did, or he did. He was watching from a far off window. And maybe, oh, right, maybe right, the, right. Maybe the Abbot monk was like, yeah, if she got a praying mantis, it was pretty awesome. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, she says in this scene, Mister Miyagi, I can't do this. I've tried a thousand times. Now I don't. Obviously, it's an exaggeration, but that means Miss Miyagi watched her for probably more than maybe 10 times, I'd say, mm-hmm. trying this without saying, like, you know, if you get down on your knees and you kind of give yourself a little spring, you'll be able to pull that off. That doesn't that that doesn't work in real life. <laughs> this, <laughs> this isn't Super Mario Brothers 2. You can't, like, hold down and then extend your jump. <laughs> What's that in 2? <laughs> yeah. Hold down for a second. And oh, you're... yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. I could have sworn I saw her pick up a mushroom when she kneeled. <laughs> but yeah, getting up from a crouching position is just extra energy exerted. It's not going yeah. to add to your jump energy. You sure you're not showing your age, Matt? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, age doesn't. Uh, yeah, no. doesn't help things. Earlier today, girl. <laughs> earlier today, I was putting some books on my shelf and I was sitting on the floor and I had to like rock myself to get back up, like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Please help me up. Yeah, I'm. I am a turtle on my back now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I did research praying mantis, manti. I don't know. Uh, Mantises. Mantises. They do not drop to one knee before striking. They just reach out with their gig- ginormous, uh, large front legs, those serrated those things, pincers. Yeah. And I watched a very horrifying slow motion video of a praying mantis catching a fly. Yeah, they are gnarly. I, I saw a video of one catching a hummingbird. Oh, my Ooh. God. Yeah. Wow. We go straight for the brains. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, uh, even though we've disproved this, we've talked about knees don't work that way. And, uh, praying mantises don't work that way. <laughs> she does pull it off. Uh, it is a pretty uh, awesome little moment i mean especially as a kid watching it's like yeah you know even though we don't get to see it happen we get a yeah for doing the move but we don't see her travel from one, from one rock to the other right exactly this is much like the impressive jumping up to the car scene it's like they mm-hmm. just throw it into slow uh into zoom right up on her so yeah you don't actually get to see her it it doesn't look like it's that far of a jump either right. <laughs> Like, it looks like she could easily jump down from one rock to another, but they were making it look harder on purpose. 
Well, I'm sure she could jump from one rock to the other, but right. the instruction, I have it here from the earlier scene. Miyagi says, Matt, I want you to just check the video to see if she pulls this off. He says, first you fake front kick at opponent, roll hip, come around, make round kick, and then land on o Okinawa, the smaller rock. I just see her doing a jump kick through the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't see her faking anything or rolling anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I do love the additional bit of, uh, we, we hear just the slightest bit of a tiger growl as she's kicking through the air. Uh, Even I, though they were just talking about a praying mantis. <laughs> yeah. okay. well, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, nobody knows this, but praying mantis is, uh, do have t uh, tiger growls when they, when mm -hmm. they jump. That's, mm -hmm. that's how it works. But I mean, no, it, 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 I guess it's a throwback to the earlier scene when she does do that big jump. Uh, he says it was like a tiger position or something, mm -hmm. but this is the praying. I'm, I'm very confused on uh, <laughs> what screenwriter Mark Lee is trying to teach us, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, probably a nice guy in, in mm. real life. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, according to Julie, she did it. Uh, you know, she's just jumping around and, uh, really just kicking that sand up, huh? <laughs> yeah. She, she's ruining this very pristine rock garden. <laughs> And she's ruined it multiple times at this point. <laughs> yeah. well, they haven't told her not to. They haven't corrected her behavior. Right, right. But Did like it... some monk had to come out here and like painstakingly <laughs> rake it and make it look nice. And she's running all around and right. messing it up. <laughs> he does look uh, uh, disappointed when she starts running all over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but funny because I, I took it as an embarrassment. Like, oh, God, really? Don't don't do that. But instead, it, <laughs> maybe it is. It's just like, oh, they had the sand again. I'm going to have to come out here and clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, someone in my neighborhood repaved their sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning you saw like little cat feet right <laughs> through the cement. Uh, classic. Yeah. Typical cat. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Like, it's like a parchment or something, some Asian document, and it's got a cat paw. Yeah. And a cat walked into the ink and then stepped on the document. Uh, so, yeah, Miyagi bows and congratulates her, and Julie now wants a belt. <laughs> Matter of fact, she starts playing everybody's favorite schoolyard game Brown Belt, Brown Belt, Black Belt, Brown Belt, yeah. Black Belt. <laughs> remember that was such a thing like the kids that went to like tiger shulman's were like well i got a green belt yeah cool <laughs> uh and uh yeah this is an obvious callback to the original so i do have three quick trivia questions for either of you who wants to shout it out we're running along uh what material was miyagi's belt that he mentioned in the first movie <laughs> canvas canvas where did he buy it jc penny <laughs> <laughs> and how much was it Oh, $4? Uh, huh? $4? Very close. You're over. It's $3.98. $3 oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I basically had it. <laughs> uh, Matt, can you get a karate belt for pulling off a difficult jump kick? No. No. Okay. Just <laughs> it's like a whole ceremony, right? Like, yeah, you gotta, pat, you gotta do a bunch of things correctly. Right. Doesn't rely on one thing. Uh, so Julie notes that even Elvis got a black belt. And so Miyagi tells her to borrow it from him the next time she sees him. <laughs> uh, I did do some research on Elvis's black belt. <laughs> of course. You're welcome. So when Elvis was stationed in Germany, uh, he started training under a sensei. Uh, and when he returned, 
He earned his first degree black belt from uh, Chitu Rio instructor Hank Slamansky. Hmm. You know. Yeah, that was the style I was in. Good old Hank. Yeah. Yeah, so me. Elvis and you have something in common besides yeah. looks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, after he put him through a rigorous six-week training program, Hank, uh, uh, sorry, Sensei Slamansky <laughs> gave this belt to him, uh, the first degree. Uh, allegedly, he was actually irritated that celebs were paying for black belts, so that's why he pushed him through this this training. And Slamansky said after he got it, he said, the kid ain't pretty, but he's tough and he's a black belt. So, uh, yeah, I guess maybe he kind of fudged his way through it. After Mm -hmm. that, he trained under Master Kang Ree in a Memphis dojo uh, in the book Elvis's Karate Legacy, a book that we're going to painstakingly go through chapter by chapter in a series on this podcast. Uh, Matt's already signed up. Uh, The (laughs) author, uh, Wayne Carmen, who trained with Elvis under Master Kang, uh, wrote, uh, sorry, Rachel, not crying, uh, oh. wrote about some, uh, uh, quirky behavior. He said he wanted his security guys to learn nunchucks. Uh, he would constantly wear boots into the dojo, which is just, what are you doing? Hmm. And then he said, and then it says when he was learning how to uh, disarm, uh, an attack, he trained with real guns, not wooden ones. So oh. have people point real guns at him and disarm them. <laughs> Uh, under Kang Ri, he ascended to the seventh degree ba- black belt. He said he wanted this. He wanted to be the seventh degree because seven was his lucky number. I guess it was uh, like a, if God is seven kind of thing. Um, but Kang couldn't because he, who got to seventh Elvis did Elvis. Wow. Let me no tell way. you how. that takes decades. Kang couldn't, you gotta be like an old man to be a seventh degree. <laughs> Kang couldn't give it to him because he was a seven. And so, uh, Apparently, he and Elvis went to some sort of board of black belts. I have no idea. And so they ended up promoting Kang to eight. So Kang could then promote Elvis to seven. And then Kang received a Cadillac from Elvis. Oh. <laughs> As a thank you. Okay. Uh, so whether you believe how good he was or not, I mean, he did love karate. He actually was working at a karate doc- documentary called The New Gladiator. There's some footage on YouTube where you can actually see Elvis in action. Uh, so <laughs> I learned more about Elvis than I ever thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, I, I did actually recently see the movie. That's why I was interested. I was like, Oh, was it any good? I liked it a lot. It's, okay. I mean, if you like Boz Lerman, it's, it's eh, one of those sometimes. crazy movies. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is a bit much. Mm. <laughs> I will say he is in full, uh, lady killers mode, but, uh, uh, yeah. Other than that, I think the, the kid who plays Elvis is great. Uh, he's really awesome. Uh, okay, so we really got to wrap this up. Uh, uh, we we move into a montage. We start with uh, wax on, wax off, and I, I really I really missed uh, wax on, wax off. So happy <laughs> to see it again. Miyagi was like, "This is my favorite part." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And Bill Conti, uh, the 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 composer, the music that he's playing under this, he entitled "Training Montage," so he knew exactly <laughs> what this was for. I like when Julie like tosses the rag at him when he says "Miss Spot." Uh, <laughs> which he catches really coolly. Um, then she trains under a waterfall, maybe to get her closer to nature. He directed. I her. guess. I guess. Don't get wet. Real, if this was real karate training, she would have been under, like literally under that waterfall, being pounded by the oh, yeah uh, the water, trying to stand up. Right. What happened to first learn balance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And then after we get some pretty intense work with Miyagi, uh, holding a glove while Julie punches at it. And, uh, yeah, she does this like punch and then she spins around and does like this backhand punch. I'm wondering if that was a reverse punch, but I have no idea. No, reverse punch is just, you use the, 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 the hand, the same arm that your, your hip, your hip that's back away from your opponent is. And then you like, you twist your hip forward and you, ah. this goes with it. Use the power of your hips. You mm. do that. Do you have exactly a, a, a reverse chop to break ice? <laughs> Karate kid humor, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Finally, uh, before it ends, Julie is sidestepping as Miyagi is hurling a sandbag at her. <laughs> and he says, this is called footwork, Kata. That's my last question for you, Matt. So many questions this, this Monday, but uh, is that a thing? Footwork, <laughs> Foot- Kata. Footwork, Kata. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a thing to Miyagi. Anyway. Uh, we could wax on forever about these four minutes, but it's time for us to wax off. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Uh, do you want to come back on Wednesday for four more next Karate Kid minutes? I guess I have to, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You're locked <laughs> in for the week. Sorry. <laughs> but we do let you, uh, plug whatever you want. Uh, feel free to let everybody know where they can find you. Oh gosh. I don't really have anything to plug. I have a project I can't really talk about at the moment, but Ooh. Cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole mess. I'll tell you off mic, but anyway, um, there are three seasons of TMNT minute floating out there on the internet. Um, we also did a special show called up from below where we played a tabletop game to kind of keep us occupied during lockdown (laughs) 1.0. Um, it was just supposed to be a fun thing we did with friends. And then we were like, let's just record it. Which tabletop was it? D and D? No, it is a, it's based on a Palladium game. Like there was this turtles tabletop game that our, our GM found and yeah. They made, it, they made RPGs out of everything. There yeah. Street Fighter RPG by them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we basically just turned it into the fourth TMNT movie. <laughs> and we like acted it out and Scott Tofty did the music. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds cool. So yeah. that, that is in the TMNT minute feed. If you want to listen to that, um, I'm not doing anything at the moment other than that project I can't talk about, but it's been kind of nice not having a podcast to do. <laughs> uh, just a couple of months from now, it'll yeah. be, it's going to be an amazing holiday uh, uh, vacation. Just not yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Got to finish yeah. this movie first, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, go to TMNT Minute, look up all our old stuff. It's out there. Give it a listen. Definitely. And uh, awesome. Well, thank you again. And until next time. But I'm in a body bag. 